Why can't I open it? Hello everyone and welcome to another horror review. Um what the real horror story is here is trying to get the connections working and everybody on at once. Um uh we're actually inventing a story in the background that hi there's something cursed and we don't know whether that's movie we're about to talk about or if it's uh somebody by bringing the internet to New Zealand has pissed off a demon that's decided to curse everybody stream <laughs> using it. Uh um welcome dale and andy very <laughs> finally we got this happening um there's been a bit of um stop and starts and rearranging and just the universe being the universe and conspiring against <laughs> us just... oh. totally how are you <laughs> so what we've got here is obviously you have to use remember last time i tried zoom and zoom's an absolute pain in the arse so we're trying it in skype that's why you see the big um, CM, me logo, because I have to be on that as well as on here. But we're making it happen. Every problem has a solution. It does. Definitely. It does. Okay. So, Dale, you've got the earphones on because you're actually listening to this live. Can you hear yeah. Andy? Hi, Dale. Um, not yet. I'm just trying to get into it, but... Um... Just trying to open up um, our site on the face on um, YouTube. My phone's decided to throw a wobbly. Oh, lovely! Oh no! Yeah, yeah. The, every, the world is conspiring against us, Colin. Oh man, this is um... <laughs> all right. It's getting here. It's, it's the joys it's... of technology, honestly. Um, there's definitely um, weird stuff going on in the works. Machines can be silly. Oh, me. Um, right. Hello, chat. Hello, everyone in chat. Apologies for uh, the delay, but like I said, these uh, when you have issues, you want to get everybody on board, find a way around it because uh, obviously these guys are great to talk to. It's great to have them on, and it's nice to have a couple of people. Um, as you know, we've our authors have been part of this show from the very beginning, and it's always great to have you guys on to not just talk about work and books and things are creating, but it's nice to hear your thoughts on movies and uh, just get together, riff a bit, and just uh, talk about horror because that's what we're, that's why we're all here. We all love the the genre. Oh God, yeah! I'm so, always glad to be here, Colin. And you too, Andy and Dale. Obviously, um, great to have you on. Um, we should do it more yeah, often. Yeah, get, once oh, we get yeah. um, once we exercise the demon that's plaguing Dale's life. Hello, Andy. Hi, Dale. How are you? There might be a wee right. Oh, yep, we've got we've got communication. We do. Hi, good. Thanks. It's a bit delayed. Cool. Here, better late than never. That's the thing. Yay! <laughs> we get there. That's what all right. Awesome. But yeah, we're here to talk about let the right one in. Um, yeah. This is not your <laughs> typical horror movie. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a really 
dark element to it. It's not for the casual viewer. I would, I would dare say, we disagree with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As for someone new to horror movies, it it, it can this particular mm -hmm. story could be off putting. I agree. Yep, I would, and it, not so much a slasher sense. So, I've always said the Terrifier series um, with Art the Clown yeah. is not for newbies. The same as this mm -hmm. story is definitely not for newbies. If you're if you've never watched a horror movie before, want to dive in? Don't go with this one. <laughs> this is the deep end of the pool. No. <laughs> there's foreshadowing there. Yeah, no. well, it really is, and there's a lot of um, dark <laughs> material and subjects which um, might totally. <laughs> might put people off. In fact. When I watched the original again, the 2008 movie, um, there was a scene which I want to talk about later, which made me go, holy shit, I hope it was a stunt double flat, because I'm like, I did not need to be seeing that. And we'll go into that in a bit. But um, let's yeah. first of all talk about the bloody frustrations with distribution and movie studios and the stupidity. Those I do, I do not know much about that, that whole scenario okay, there so, trying to watch there's four versions of, of this story okay there's the original book oh wow i have downloaded but i haven't got a chance to read because i've been bloody busy um so mm -hmm. apologies for that it's even darker themes from what i've heard in reviews that the the 2008 movie oh. only sort of glances at you've i couldn't it, even find them you've then mm. got the 2010 was it 2010 remake I think so. Is sometimes available, sometimes not in different regions. Yeah. You've got the TV show, which yeah. um, I'm glad we're not talking about because it's a pile of shit. Um, where in the yeah, UK, I, I, can only get one, I can only get one season. Apparently, there's two seasons of it. Um, Dale can't get it at all. <laughs> oh, no. Um, do you have a. Did you, were you able to get everything, Andy? Have you actually? Um, I've never read the book. Oh, the other notes. No, what I mean is, um, do you have a problem seeing different versions of different stories, like uh, when a movie's distributed? Other times, you have a have difficulty. Most of the time, no. But it the sometimes with distributors, they can. Um, there's certain licensings they can take with uh, producers and directors. I've noticed not all the time. But it can happen, and it'll sometimes it throws off the story. Sometimes it can add to it. But I think overall, I mean, most of the time it's not a problem. I don't think. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the whole distribution. I know a little bit about it, but yeah. Cameron and I have major troubles. We try to do obviously we have our end of the month the horrific talk spot mm -hmm. where we, you know, we reference stuff going on horror news, and then we try to review a movie. And yeah. When it comes to releases, like um, last example was Barbarian. I could not see that for love nor money. Um, the cinema has had oh, it stupid times. Um, what was the other one? Pray for the Devil. Couldn't get to see that either. Because mm. oh, the way no. it's going. Um, Dale, I think you have the same problem. Where even and I could understand physically, you know, with physical copies or something that you know it needs to be shipped somewhere. You need yeah. to pick it up. But yeah. in the world of streaming, there's no excuse. 
for properties. And also, as you know, this channel is anti-piracy. I don't believe in it. I believe it destroys jobs, it destroys lives, it funds crime. I'm no no way do I advocate for piracy. But when the studios themselves that release the properties make it difficult, you can understand what the temptation is. Yeah. And I just think it's absolute madness the way they're they're working. I, I don't know. What what are your thoughts? They might have too many rules and laws. I could see that. I do too. Because <clears throat> companies want to protect themselves and whatnot. Bring back DVD shops. Mm. It was um, not to sound like an old fart harking back to the old days, but the nineties were the the eighties were like a renaissance. But the nineties were like the golden era, I say, in terms of mental attitudes of things, being able to see stuff and people coming together. Um, and part of that was actually physical stores. I've talked about this like, like uh, ad nauseum. But a new movie comes out. You go down to in the UK, for example, one of the big chains was HMV or the Virgin Mega Store. You know, you would have a release come out on a Saturday or a new album come out, and people went and queued. And for that moment in time, you might have come from all different walks of life, backgrounds, political thoughts. Mm, right. Your bone coverings were different shades. It didn't matter because for that moment, you were together for the love of a, a movie or an album or a new book. And I don't know, people people got along better because you understood, yeah. okay, yeah, don't agree with anything, but that's moment, we've got that one thing in common. And that's all it takes, I think, to understand somebody and not necessarily form a friendship, which, but it's also possible, but have an understanding of somebody. Okay, well, we don't agree on this, this, and this, but we like that. Cool, you know. And I think where streaming and the internet's, in one case, has brought people together, it's also pushed them far apart. And with movies as well, um, I don't think people understand how big an impact movies have yeah. and storytelling. You know, it's back down to the basics of storytelling. As a human species, we have uh, we have lived through storytelling. That's what makes us, you know, build houses instead of just living in caves. That's what made us sparkle sticks together and create fire and aspire to be more than we it's are. And <clears throat> we seem to have less that now, yet it's more available. It's very strange. I love that you said the the eighties was a renaissance. And how easier things were. It was how easy it was to, to get things there. And how much it was more about like the, the passion of it for the sake of it, for the, the love of horror and the love of movies and the love of the storytelling. And the it's interesting that you said a renaissance because I feel very strongly that that's, that's coming back again big time and that we're in the midst of it right now. I think we're at the tail end of this nonsense, you know, this bitterness and hatred, you know, if you want to use terms like woke and all, it's the same. It's just the herd trying to stop mm -hmm. everybody and look for victims. You know, it's it's human nature. It's been done before. It's a game. I mean, you think of coming out of the 70s, the 60s and 70s, despite what people say, were very repressed eras. And then I, I think that the 80s, now to look back and especially doing this and reviewing so many movies and looking at the, you know, peeling back the curtain, definitely the 80s was a an absolute fountain of creativity. And oh god, yeah, it was. The nineties was sort of not so much in creativity, but just accessibility and coming together, you know. But then 
once we got into the 2000s, and especially around about 2010, it's all just fallen off a cliff. And it's affecting so much. Like people don't have the imagination anymore to fix problems, for example, like distribution, bringing it back to this. Because people don't have imagination, they can't bloody even release a movie because they're so bureaucratic and so tunnel visioned that they don't see the bigger picture. And it directly affects us being able to like come together to talk about a series, you know, iterations of a movie is now impossible because bureaucrats and people with no imagination can't release a bloody movie and make it available in all formats. Like I had the original 2008, watched it in streaming and then lost it just before coming on to this. So I was able to watch the remake, but now I can't watch the original. And then I have to wait or sign up to 20 different streaming services to maybe watch what they do and it's pathetic. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, just on another tangent, because we love tangents yeah. in this show. Um, Same Pray for the Devil. Yeah, I, it was okay. yeah um, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, there was, I was actually, I was expecting something completely different with that movie. Um, I did a review on it, and I was pleasantly surprised, but then I fell into the boring tropes again, which just like, what are you doing? Like the, the final act was just I don't know what they were trying to achieve there. But on to this movie. Um, so, Del, you've watched the 2008 version, is that right? So we'll we'll focus on that. I've for the comp- that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the original Swedish version. Mm, yes. Yep. Um, Andy, you've seen both, I take it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I love both um, of them. I love the... Um... It's a bit delayed. No, 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 appreciate that. Um, that's why no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to leave a wee bit of a pause. Wow. So what we'll do is we'll we'll focus on the primary, yeah, um, the 2008 <laughs> version, uh, Swedish version, and then what we might do is just make references to the remake, if that makes sense. So that, uh, really, there's mm-hmm. not much of a difference. Like the story's basically told beat for beat. There's a few subtleties in terms of characters, but there's it's not like the the remake was completely taking it down a different direction or anything. So you'll not you actually oh, no, don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Um so I suppose the first question is did this film need to be remade? Like watching the original, and I know a lot of people have problems with subtitles. I don't. I like I like subtitled movies. I'm not a big fan of voiceover, you know, dubbed in another language because it just goes choppy and you don't get the same feeling. Yeah, me too. Where a physical actor in the moment can mm. betray that as opposed to somebody voicing over somebody else's performance, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um Apart from studios want to make money, why do you think they remade us? Was it just to have an English version? I think sometimes to if you remake a movie, Probably. it's got you. You're going to okay. see things you uh, okay. you might not have seen. Andy, what? Yeah. All right, Mm. Yeah, we're having a slight delay, so it's uh, that's that's why I'm just uh, you might hear yeah, a moment of silence, folks, but it's just to give everyone a chance to get um, part of the conversation. Uh, <laughs> no, um, 
like I didn't I wasn't opposed to the idea of a remake. I just thought if the original <laughs> yeah. one had um, had unique characters, it was a unique story. Oh, what's going on? There? Oh, right. Um, yeah, this is a, a unique story in terms of like the vampire genre. It goes against the grain. Um, I think there was something definitely captured here. That oh, yeah. keep remaking and yeah, uh, respell just told a story. Maybe just because a lot of people do have problems with you know foreign movies and don't like subtitles while they're watching. Um, that could justify it. Um, at least the the remake didn't um, it didn't destroy the original. If that makes sense, it didn't try to do anything new or fancy. It just retold the story, which was uh, cool as far as I was concerned. Um, I have more problems with the TV show. If I'm honest, I thought that I never show, saw. Right, well, don't because it completely <laughs> sanitized. It completely oh, wow. sanitized the story. It changed the dynamics. So here we have it's actually a master <laughs> and a servant. Mm-hmm. They changed it to a father and daughter. Oh, weird. And then they brought all these other characters in and it just uh... and you can tell as well that the, like by the end of the first season they were trying to drag this story out and it just became generic TV. Oh just, no. Uh, I was annoyed at the end of it, and then I didn't even, like I said, I couldn't get to see the second season. I'm probably glad I didn't, because I could just see where it was going by the end of season one. I was like, they're going to spin this and spin this and drag it out, and it becomes uh, something completely different. Oh, welcome, Chris, to the chat. Good to have you again. Chat's starting to fill up here and get busy. (laughs) It's always good. That's why I like doing these live. I know it's a bit of a pain in the backside, um, trying to get everything set up. Hi, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is why I like doing this because it's, you don't know where the conversation is going to go. You get elements from other people while we're having the chat, and it's just like a few <laughs> few guys are in the coffee shop or in the bar after going to see a movie. You know, that's yeah, that's why I like this. Yeah, it's like hanging out. It's a lot of fun. Hi to everybody listening, by the way. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about the characters. So yeah, hi. <laughs> what did you think of? Ellie slash Abby. So in the original one, she's Ellie, and then Abby in the the remake. <laughs> to me, this is definitely one of the most interesting vampire characters out there. She's very unique. She is in in the original. I felt like she was appropriately cold and distant for being a vampire, because often in stories, vampires aren't really going to warm up and relate to humans a whole lot because of what they are. But that also depends upon the uh, the author's interpretation of what a vampire is, versus the the remake. Um, she was very, she was engaging, appropriately engaging, and she was a little bit warmer than the uh, than the original vampire was. It took her less the uh, in the remake. It took the vampire less time to warm up than I I think. But I think in the original, the vampire was using the, the coldness to uh, to weed out the kid to try and see if the kid would be something useful to her later and accidentally ended up liking the kid and wanting to get close to the kid and make a connection. Yeah, because this is essentially a love story. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's originally through the whole master-servant dynamic. Mm -hmm. And it's 
very yeah. elegantly played, I think. Um, the whole master servant uh dynamic because when you see um Ellie and uh Hakan, Hakan my Swedish is terrible by the way, uh, a non existent, so I'm gonna butcher these names, but Hakan, uh, it's definitely a master servant relationship, but it might have started out as love. Mm-hmm. Or it might have been a ruse. We don't know. And in the original, we don't get that. We don't understand that, you know, I mean, whatever, although we see photographs and that from the start, um, definitely the relationship has devolved. And there's an almost bitterness between them. Yeah, it's, um, it's like I, I have to say, oh, I'm sorry. No, Zen, did any of you pick up on that? It's like they, it's like I have to stay with you because you you helped me and you're a tool, but I don't want to I don't want you in my life anymore. But you helped me out by giving me blood, but beyond that, I can't tolerate you. And do you think Hacken felt that like there's definitely a resentment between the two of them? I think Hacken was tired and longed for whatever life that he that he feels the vampire stole from him. But I think, mm-hmm, I think the the resentment would explain um, Hacken looking at the vampire and like you stole my life from me, you stole my youth from me. Whereas in the beginning, man, I've started out like that because you get the sense of she met Hacken when he was a child, and I think it flashed back to that if I'm remembering right a few times. It was the photo booth uh, photographs. Remember when Oscar uh, mm-hmm. went in? Uh, like yeah, the, the, the apartment. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, and it just something between them just soured, and he's he wants something that his resentment, I guess, is telling him that the vampire took something from him, and he wants it back, and he know he can't have it, so he's he's left with like schlubbing around for the vampire, and he's tired of it, and they're tired of each other, and I think both of them want something new. And he's Hacken's lonely, but I think the vampire's lonelier, which is why I think she made such a connection with the little boy, because he was lonely and afraid and was tired of his life, and so was she. And I think in each other, they not only found a lot of release and a, a new life, a new lease on life. Yeah, um, I can't, uh, I can't help but like in her character to um, you know, interview the vampire. God, what you call I'm sorry. Do you know new interview with the vampire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. God, what do you call her? Claudia. Um, Claudia, right? Mm. Who is essentially an adult trapped in a child's body because she was yep. a vampire? Claudia. 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 Right, yep. Sorry, mate. You know me and names, folks. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can watch something a hundred times and still forget people's names if it's not in my um. Just my brain right there, but yeah, Claudia. Um, oh, it happens. But there's a slight difference here because Claudia was essentially a full adult trapped in a child's mm-hmm. body. But Ellie, the, the statement she makes is, yes, I'm 12, but I've been 12 for a long time. It's almost like she's yeah. in suspended animation, that she still mm-hmm. has the thoughts and feelings of a 12-year-old, mm-hmm. despite her long life. Do you think that's what yeah. makes us slightly different or unique in terms of a vampire story? I think she 
I think she versus Claudia acclimated a lot, a lot more to being a vampire. I, th- <laughs> I had a little. Yeah, go ahead, Del. Sorry, Del. Go ahead. <laughs> so delayed. Um, I really liked Ellie's character. I really, really liked her character. Yeah, um, she's a good character, and also. It's it's nice to get away. Like the whole concept of good and bad, good and evil, it's turned up in its head with this story. Let's be honest. Um, there's a lot of grey area, there's a lot of ambiguity, and there's a lot of you making up your own mind. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I'm sick of being preached to with movies or told this is the dichotomy, this is the dynamic. You must adhere to listen. If you disagree, people will jump on you. This is one of the stories that is morally ambiguous and leaves it up to the, the viewer to make up their mind and how they feel about certain characters. Um, am I right with that? Yeah. I love her character a lot, too. She seems really comfortable in her own skin with being a vampire. She seems to yeah, one problem enjoy it. I think I have... Yeah, what's up? is that the fact that they're so young I think um, I think they could have made the characters a little bit older Would it... they did in the remake but also um, I think that adds to the horror of this because I don't know about you, I get frustrated right. with teen movies or child movies and they're being played by mid-twenties actors or Actors and lives in their thirties, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but actually having child actors play ch- mm. children in a horror movie—that's the way it was portrayed. And you know, what I mean, when you have children in books, for example, as characters, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. So it adds to the whole unnerving aspect of this movie. And I think it's not done; it's usually not done very well in horror, but this is done brilliantly. And that's what I'm talking about—the moral ambiguity. Because if they were played by adults, unnerving. Mm. You don't. You wouldn't have the same. Like that's where the that's where the remake loses the impact because um, what do you call her? Chloe Morris. It Mm. was in her early twenties at that point. Mm. So she's an adult playing a child, and it's just um, I think the guy who played um Owen wasn't much behind her, so they're you know. They're not children, but you lose the impact of a vampire being in a child's body unless it's played by a child actor. And I that's where I think this story once again bucks the trend. All right, no, okay. Um, yeah, so I think you lose the impact if you didn't have child actors and particularly young, like almost prepubescent. Yep, no. They're just on the verge of puberty. <laughs> and it makes the whole, like the dynamic between her and Hakan, for example, that bit more sinister. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And it's not a father-daughter relationship. It's, And I think that's part of why yeah. you miss that until like towards the end when he goes out for the last time. That touch it, that when she strokes his cheek, you know, it's not... Um, it's not yeah, a father yeah. and child. And if it wasn't a child actress doing it, you wouldn't have got that impact. And that's why I'm saying, you know, 
morally you have to make up your own mind about this the rights and wrongs and how you feel and then once again horror oh, is that oh. horror is that uncomfortable feeling isn't it that's what we'll crave mm. we don't get scared anymore you know because I mean? we'll, we'll embrace the the monsters but what horror still has left it offers just making you go oh god that's not right and this is one of the movies that goes there yeah. I like the the, uh, the remake, the way uh, Chloe Grace Morton's, I, I always mess up pronunciation of her name, but the way yeah. that she carried over the, the, the horror and monstrousness of being a vampire, she I loved that, the way she did that. I thought it was wonderful. That was great. I mean, the original, she did a great job too, but I thought Chloe brought a, a lot to it as well. I think I feel sorry for that wee girl. I really want to like her, but she's been in some dog shit movies. Yeah. Hmm. She's been in some awful movies and I think the I think she's been done a disservice by her agent hmm. she is one of those unique she's not your like traditionally blanche there's something about her um but I think she's, because she's done some awful terrible movies especially in horror the horror genre um she hasn't had a chance but this is one of the movies where she has she's had a chance to actually play a good character and bring something to the table and what could have been a really bland remake actually had its own flavor mm-hmm. and it didn't depart too much as even though they are older they still had that look but the original had that starkness of these are children this is a story because it involves children and mm-hmm. i believe in the book hackham was actually a pedophile and this the the don't really mm. hint at that. The, the shy way, you know, both versions. But it's there, you know, it's an underlying kind of, oh God, this isn't right. Yeah, that's awful. He's yeah, got older. First version. Hmm? Yeah. Um, the development, we've, we've kind of touched on this, but the, yeah. the whole... Uh, the first de- version, I didn't... Uh, you didn't pick up on that? No, it's not there in the first version. It's um, it's this weird resentment. Of- um, I actually thought that... No, I I actually thought that the... I actually thought that he was her father. <laughs> Huck. Yeah. Um, it's kind of... And I think that's where the resentment was. Because what the original relationship was, and we're seeing this, it's almost like it's playing out again with Oscar. Mm. What started out as romantic love went the other direction. Mm. Where in the normal friendships or protection can turn into romantic love, but this started out as romantic love, and then as he's got older and she hasn't, at some stages become twisted, and maybe he didn't he, he became disgusted with himself for his romantic feelings as he got older and then it became an almost bitterness and that's, you know what I mean like I said, it's all subtext, it's not uh, beating you over the head with what's going on, you have to kind of try and look at this and yeah. figure out what's happening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like I said it's a, it's a master-servant relationship you know, essentially yeah, I 
I get the feeling it started some way already through. Mm. Ellie yeah. could tear him apart if she so chose. Oh, yeah. He could open the blinds during the day and fry her to pieces if he so cho- chose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of... Um, yep. There's a lot of power dynamics being played out here, which um, could be quite heavy for the, uh, no, the, the casual audience. How, how do you think that kind of played out? Mm-hmm. Um, did you just pick up on that, or yeah. was it something that you glossed over, or is it something that really made you intrigued about this story? I like the fact that you you felt those things and you saw them in the relationship, but it really didn't go into it too much. I think it would have detracted from um, it. I really. Yeah, good deal. Go ahead. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead, Dale. Sorry. Sorry. Carry on. No, no, I was just delayed. Sorry. Carry on, Andy. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to talk over you, Dale, because the, the, no, the delay. Like Andy was saying. Okay, yeah, I. It's... Sorry. Yeah, you're up, Andy. Go ahead. I, like I was saying, I, I think if they went into. Um, um, uh, their relationship too much and what was going on there under the surface it would have taken away from the movie so I'm, I'm glad they didn't but i think it added to the character development and to the progression of the movie that you knew there was something there was some tension there was a problem there but not exactly sure what it was but the fun of it is that it's left up to interpretation like we've just been talking about yeah um dale go ahead what, what do you think mm. Yeah, agreed. Um, oh, there's just so many different elements in the movie that, um, like you were saying about real life issues, you know, bullying. Yeah, and that can be as horrifying, even though it's a supernatural movie. The real world problems and elements, that's what yeah, um, makes this more impactful. Yes. I always use the witch as an example of this. A tight drama told that the supernatural element is only an, an extra layer but the story itself Ali couldn't Ali could quite easily not have been a vampire for most of the story the whole true mm. and still be impactful if that makes sense because if you take out, out the vampire the fact yeah. that she was living with a serial killer who's not her father yeah you know there's so much yeah. to play with there um, so a well-told story and something mm. that's so like there's a whole disturbing element to this. Um, that's enough in a story in itself, but add the supernatural aspect and it just takes it to another level. And I think that's what's so um, fascinating about this this tale. Um, oh, yeah. Del, what do you think? I'll, I'll go with Del for what I'll do is I'll just say uh, Del. What do you think? And then I'll say to you, Andy, and that gives you a chance to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh... Okay. Cool. Um. I what I really really enjoyed was that they stuck to the. to the uh, traditional type of vampire, you know, um, 
can't eat food, doesn't go out, doesn't go outside during the day. Um, yeah, I found that really uh, refreshing, actually, um, because there's there have been a few vampire movies that have been coming out that um, try to take away from the traditional sense of what we think a vampire uh, should behave and their traits and all that sort of stuff. I'm glad that they actually stuck to that. Um, yeah, that's yeah, I, and I really, really enjoyed the 2008 version. Is obviously I couldn't watch the 2010 one. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but I really love the moodiness of it. Um, I don't know if the 2010 version, uh, because I haven't watched it, has been able to get away with um, the 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 cold, the coldness, the tones, the the scenery. I mean. That that was just amazing. I, I really enjoyed it, just from beginning to, to the end, really. Um, it's set in Stockholm, I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, uh, besides the fact it was kind of a Dexter meets Twilight type of movie, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And although the, it was a, bit, a little bit off-putting having two 12-year-olds involved in the movie – um, like as their characters are 12 I, like I did say I, I would, would have liked them to have been a little bit older um, because of the little scene that they show I don't know that's anyway. what I'm, yeah that's yeah. what I brought at the start I'm like holy crap the whole thing is a stunt double because I'm like I don't need to be saying that yeah um, Andy you know the scene we're talking about yeah I think when uh, she was changing yeah yeah oh yeah I, I missed that the first time I watched that movie, and I, when I watched it recently, I'm like, "Holy shit! Oh no, they didn't just do that." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh dear!" Whoa, that just happened. Um, the can't have used. They can't have done that. Little, <laughs> they had to have used the. Um, yeah. and just in case, um, we basically almost got full nude today. I don't know why. Um, it's kind of well. Let's be honest. Oscar's character was a peeping tom. Like it's and both versions, he's, he's portrayed that he's a peeping tom. Like there's a lot of sexual undertone and weirdness in this, and that's what makes it kind of uh, you know close to the knuckle. Uh, in terms of uh, like any sort of movie, this is really like this is really on the line. Let's be honest. Um, Oscar is sexually aware. He's you know. It is on the line. Yep. We see this from the very start when he's got the telescope and he uses the spy on his neighbours and um, it doesn't it tones it down massively in the remake, but in the original version, this it's it's there. There's a creepy element to him as well. Like he's not an innocent. You know, what I mean, yeah, he's bullied, he's strange, but he's not an innocent. And I think that's what makes this. Oh. He is a bit of a creep, let's be honest. Well, there are glances, but he spies on people. He he would be the type that would be, if he got the chance, sneaking into the girls' locker room. He's just that, you know, he's got that thing about him. His character, obviously, not to do with the actor, but, you know, the character is, is that sort of person. And is that what yeah, yeah, yeah. drew Ellie to him? 
because it seems to be with Hakan, he's Hakan, he's the same sort of person. He's got a bit of that about him too, and you know when you say people have a type. Hmm. What do you think of that? Um, Andy, yeah. what do you think of, or sorry, Dale, go ahead first. What do you think of that? Interesting, interesting angle. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's why I've um, and this that, is one of the movies on mm-hmm. a second or third watch. You get more into it. You know, it's you, you peel away more layers of what's going on. I think they found more, like I was uh, hinting, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, hinting at before, more freedom and, and release, like a new lease on life in each other. I think that's the, the initial thing they attract, that was the attractive both of them to each other, the, um, the newness of each other. And he could tell right away there was something not living or not natural about her. And I think that really, that really drew him in. And then they slowly found that they were, through him saving her, her saving him with uh, the bullying, and him realizing quickly that she wasn't human, and then actually realizing there are actually things like this in the world, really sparked that that love of the newness between them. I think that's what drew them to each other initially. Like there, it was unspoken at first, but it's it didn't take long for it to bloom. Yeah, that's a. Definitely unique characters, but once again, morally ambiguous. There's not a, a good guy, good girl. Like everyone's, they've got their dark sides. They've got their like fetishes, if that makes sense. It's there. Um, yeah. This is being played with. And that, that's what I think people will find. We've seen 100 vampire movies. We've seen people getting torn apart. That's, you know, that's easy. But it's this aspect of it that makes us gritty and disturbing in a way that very few movies manage to achieve. Um, what did you think about... It feels Sorry. very, very um, real, as in, um, you know, they could be living right next door to us. Absolutely. The question I have to ask with all like, the versions... Right uh, next to us, and we wouldn't even know... Yeah. Um, it just gave us, uh, had a real good sense. Yep. But the question I have to ask, um, <laughs> they're not, they're not destitute. They can afford to move around. Realism. Mm. Why couldn't they afford to carry with them a decent set of blackout curtains? Like nothing screams, something's weird here. Mm. than cardboard boarded up against the window, especially in an apartment complex where you're under scrutiny, you know, really? People watch what people do in smaller spaces. Um, it's almost like he's wanting to get caught. He's screaming out because when you start cardboarding up, you're you're instantly setting yourself up as something weird. It's against the norm. Why? Why wasn't the? And I'll go on about the. You know, we'll talk about his technique for harvesting blood. But why wasn't their operation a bit more slick? Do you think that was a bit of found jarring about the story? As it all seems to be like duct tape and flipping cardboard pieces and this haphazard kind of thing, but they've been doing this for years. You would have thought they would have had this all perfected by now that they don't stand out. Am I, I think you just got pick- tired. Sorry? I'm sorry, Colin. I think you just got tired of it all. 
So he's getting sloppy. He didn't want that life much anymore. He didn't want to be. Yeah, connected. it's almost like he's screaming to get caught, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think so too. Do you think that's what started um, Ellie? Yeah. Because it didn't get the impression Ellie wanted to give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, she's comfortable. She embraces what she is. Which always makes a good, you know, good character. Somebody that's comfortable with what they are. She had no desire to... Um... Yeah, and she was quite willing just to let... She was, she was quite willing to get rid of him at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. She well, did essentially toss him aside. Let's, let's be honest, like at the end, she, um, it was very cold. He offered his throat to her at the you know, last, yeah. and she just took it and didn't even, um, didn't even blink twice. There was no remorse there or like sadness. Yeah, yeah. And that's, what it, and that's what I'm talking about. We see the initial resentment. Like it's both parties resent each other. Which kind of led to this whole uh, sequence of events. Mm. Totally. I would recommend Near Dark. It's a good vampire movie and different. Um, yeah, let me check movie. that out. Might might add that to the list. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm bored with the generic movie. And what what Dale uh, alluded to earlier on was that you can't tell, and it's something I've talked about in this channel. And just I'm absolutely sick and tired of. The whole virus thing, and you can't tell the difference now between a vampire, a flipping zombie, or a werewolf. You know, I mean, it's all this homogenous mess of generic monster, and it's all virus led. And the TV show did that. The TV mm-hmm. show made it about a virus and finding the cure, and we lost the supernatural aspect of a vampire. Um, this is where I'm a traditionalist. You know, I prefer traditional values of my monsters. I want them to be supernatural creatures. Oh, Forgive really? me for like enjoying that aspect. That's the whole point of the supernatural, as you can't explain it. You can't define it in the test tube. It's otherworldly. Therefore, you can't. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yep. That's what drew me in. The universal monsters was what drew me into the horror genre. You know, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the Wolfman, creature from the Black Lagoon, all them creatures that weren't human, they weren't, um, they became something else. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, a flipping virus that you can do in a lab and cure. In fact, it would be better if the scientists were completely stumped and couldn't even think of an answer. But the this stupidity, mm-hmm. and once again, back to, you know, Art reflects the world. And we've definitely lost that art of storytelling, especially in the mainstream sort of media and creation. And the problem is, because they've burnt every other franchise to the ground, they're starting to rely on horror more to make their money, and they're bringing their stupid shite into horror movies. And this is one of those gems that managed to escape that, thankfully. I agree. Yeah, um, there was a couple of different um characters that were kind of glossed over in the the remake, but they may give it another layer. Um, for example, uh, Lack, 
the character of Lack and his partner and the two friends that lived in the apartment complex. Um, they were a whole dynamic, which wasn't really, uh, was kind of left to the side. Why do, why do you think the remake decided yep. to completely gloss over them characters? I suppose I'll ask Andy this one, seeing he's seen the remake. Why do we think we didn't get Lack and instead had him as a policeman? A generic bringing police constable where you had somebody here with an actual vested interest in destroying the vampire? I think it was it was important to move the, the story along, especially to say that there's a a time limit on the, the vampire staying anonymous and the vampire knew it. Mm-hmm. And like when uh, when she attacked the, the person under the bridge and that person went to the hospital, she had to know before that what was gonna happen. But yeah, Locke's girlfriend. Hungry. Mm-hmm. She was hungry in the moment and it happened. Um but the the cop was I think instrumental in, in that part of the uh, in showing that part of the movie that okay from here on in things are going to get really bad and there's just no hiding stuff anymore so the the vampire is going to have to come up with something to react to the situation to deal with it and make it better because the vampire just can't let this go especially when the uh, um, when the lady uh, went all uh, torched up with the sun after. That cat was definitely out of the bag then. That cop was never going to leave that stuff alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't really, the cop wasn't going to leave that alone before, but that oh, definitely yeah. clinched it. Um, do you think they overdid it a bit in the remake? Like the the first opening the blinds and her burst into flames was horror. You know what I mean? That was just holy crap. Um, and the intensity of it. I no, don't I, know why. I, I love it both of them. <laughs> I don't know why they tried to ramp it up, whether eating her own. And they remake the Hatter, exactly the same scene, except when they pulled the blind, she was eating her own arm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that added. It just uh, it, it took away. Like, um, it done it so brilliant in the really? first scene. Yeah, the Hatter, like, Eating her own, she was arm. Eating her own arm. Yeah, and then she blew up, and that's the difference. I don't know why they threw that in. I I love that personally because I think the she couldn't really. Oh, she was in, I'm sorry, though. No, Dale, go ahead. Nah. All right, Dale's good, right? <laughs> yeah, you enjoyed that scene. Oh, uh, I, I love it. Oh, yeah, I love that scene. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was almost like they're trying too hard to add something to an already like <laughs> disturbing, gritty story. And it's the laziness of Hollywood, I think, the rely on special effects now than storytelling, which I just find a shame, especially when they don't need to. What about the... I quite liked the cats. I like the cats eating the woman. <laughs> oh yeah, mm. when she, uh, she got attacked, yeah, it was. Um, they didn't do that, and they, they kind of crossed over that as well. But it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's all about being a predator, isn't it? If you're a predator yeah. and food presents itself, going to do what you're going to do. And I think that's another aspect of this movie yeah. because we see it not just with. Right. Ellie. Ellie, yep. Ellie's the ultimate predator, but we also see it with the bullies. They're predators too. They're looking for easy prey. 
and he's it, there's a once again it's not just the master servant dynamic but the predator prey yeah. dynamic Hello. too we see yes they are it's that whole thing like um if you're like myself you're animal lovers but you understand if we're locked in a house there's no food or water and you collapse unconscious your dog or cat or make as birds you know are going to eat you if you're the only food source that's just the way of it mm-hmm. and you see that with ellie too that yeah, I'm starving. Your food source, yes. We've been together for 40 or 50 years. Yep. But yeah, I'm hungry and your food end off. And that, whatever relationships before goes out the window. And we're down to the basics, you know, of survival of the fittest. And that's, I think, played out brilliantly in us. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's talk about the bullies. Hmm. Um, because they are just as instrumental to this plot as anything else. And there's even a lure with them. With them because when we see um, Johnny, he's the lead bully. And he's the one that torments um, Oscar, just can't leave him alone. He's just latched on. This is a prey animal. This is how I'm going to vent out my frustrations. Um, what did you think of... Um, I'll ask Andy first this time. Um, what did you think of that whole dynamic that was brought into play? Was that a good storytelling arc? Could it have been done differently? Or was it just right the way it was? I think it was great the way it was. I think it really helped um, the... Oh, I can't... Why can't I remember his name now? Um, the main character. It's escaping uh, me. Oscar. Yeah, I think it really helped Oscar's character development and it brought him closer to the vampire. And I loved when oh, he yeah. and his friends got his at the pool, especially in the new uh, the remake scene, because it, it showed a lot more of uh, what she was doing to him. And I love that so much when yeah. she destroyed Wait, the kid. Even before yeah. the pool, um, what about the, the ice skating scene, the, the frozen pond? Mm-hmm. Like, that's when we first see him. And this is where um, I would have to disagree with Dale. Dale, you think that it wasn't a good idea having these characters as 12-year-olds, but he is scrawny as hell. There's nothing to him. If he was a well-built, you know, early, you know, like fully developed adult, you wouldn't have the same impact. But the fact that he's a 12-year-old... And he's a weed, and he's no definition whatsoever. He can be picked up in one hand and shaken about. You know, his physicality, I think, adds to this. And that moment in the pool, or not the pool, the pond, where he finally decides to fight back with a stick against his tormentors. Um, yeah. And this is because of Ellie, you know, coaching him. Yeah. Um, I don't think that scene would have had the same impact if he was a 17, 18 year old or being played by a 20 yeah. year old actor. I don't think it would have had the same um, impact. Does that alter your opinion at all, Dale, about the actual choice of actors for this? Um, it, it, it kind of does. Um, I, it's just it's still a bit, still a bit, 
still a bit borderline for me being 12. I was kind of um, hoping they were going to be like at least 14 or 15 or something. But um, I mean, I've got a 12 year old son. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit um, in my face. But um, but then again, you know, it's, it is reality. And I like I like the fact that um, I did like the fact that they were young enough that um, it was all raw and new and, you know, that, that made it quite authentic, um, especially, you know, at, at that age, I suppose, you know, hormones and all that sort of stuff carrying mm. on. Um, it, caught, it kind of linked them together romantically as well, um, like, uh, you know, what they call puppy love and all that sort of stuff. Um I can see that that probably wouldn't have worked with an older with older characters, um, and then it would have got be way too complicated if it was getting into adulthood. So, um, it's not that I didn't like the um, the idea of the 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 two youngsters. Well, I mean, because basically you've got to look at the fact that it, obviously Oscar's living in a family dynamics where he's only getting to see his dad in the weekends or something like that. So he's pretty much left to his own devices, I think. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that was the reality of it. And that is very true, especially at that age, you know? Um, so I think that's why they fell for each other straight away was the fact that they were both vulnerable, young, young children. So it, it did work. It didn't make me feel sick or anything. So, um, <laughs> but it made you feel uncomfortable. It made I, here. I'm not. You know, it made me feel uncomfortable too, because I'm like, you know, when you think about what's going on, you're like, oh. But then, that's why I'm enjoying because it's pushing boundaries and making me think. That's yeah. why I enjoyed it and found it necessary. Andy, what did you think about you know, especially that scene with the pond, the age of the characters? Did that disturb you? Did you have a problem with it, or did you think it was just right? What What did you think? No, I I thought it was great because if they if the actors were older, it'd be a little more hard to relate to the the scene and the the plight of the kid and being and being bullied in that whole situation, and it wouldn't have been as enjoyable when he did fight back and hit him in the ear with the stick. But at the age they are. All of us, most everybody on this planet, when they were younger, got bullied. Some a lot more, a lot worse than others, and we remember those things. And when we when we see it in a story, in art, we not only feel vindicated, we relate to it. But when the when the child fights back, we feel more of that vindication. We get an exhilaration of there's there is a way out. It will have a happy ending. We can fight back. We don't just have to take it. And we rejoice a little bit inside when we see that. So when he whacked him in the ear, and it wasn't just a light little love tap. It was like he was trying to take his head off. It was like, yes, yes, that's amazing. Yes, kick his ass. And I so I, I think it. it worked wonderful. Yeah. Um, it's, like I said, because this movie's so borderline and it's really pushed testing the boundaries, um, it's easy to go, oh, I just want this to be nice and neat and comfortable. But then that's the point of horror. Point of horror is to take you out a little comfort zone. Oh, the world isn't nice and neat and comfortable, and everything doesn't fit into place. And what I think's okay yeah. isn't necessarily going to be that way <clears> in another <throat> dynamic. And I like to be—I still like to be challenged. I don't want to be as, at a stage in life where I think I've figured it all out, and there's no surprises left, and I uh, everything just fits my worldview. Um, 
and I think that's a problem with society as well that everyone wants their little box and they don't want challenge in any way and that's kind of pushed on the rest of us um and actually I've, I've talked about this before have you found as well with the horror like fandom there's a lot of conformity it's really really strange but for an alternative group of people there's a lot more conformity than the normies to say for example um have you experienced that and does this movie like challenge that as much as it challenges you as a viewer um annie do you want to go on first yeah i i'm actually glad, uh, glad you brought this up because especially with the vampire genre this movie answered and showed something that i have never ever seen any story or vampire movie ever tackle in the scene where he was uh taunting her about what would happen if a vampire comes in uninvited and it actually showed it and they did it in a way that was amazing. I loved it. I'd never seen that in a vampire movie or story. I, I will always remember that, how she just stood there trembling and bleeding out. Amazing. And yeah, he became um, so afraid for her. He was like, I invite you, I invite you, stop, stop. He didn't want her to die. I love that whole scene. That was my favorite scene yeah. of the whole movie, that and the pool scene. But yeah, the scene I just described, that's my absolute favorite one. I love that. Yeah, I was going to get to that actually. Um, yeah, because that is tearing up. <laughs> yeah, that is the only time that has actually been tackled. Yeah, and that's what I said. It's been glossed over uh, from Dracula, you know. <laughs> and this whole nonsense of it's a virus and it could be transmitted and cured and stupidity is really bugging me because it's destroying one of the original lures of the backbone of storytelling never mind horror yeah. but storytelling it's one of the bram stoker's dracula is like one of the classics it's we wouldn't even have half the stuff out today bram stoker mary shelley Anne Rice, you know you you name it mm -hmm. if it wasn't for those guys we wouldn't have the wealth of storytelling or imagination that we do today yeah. but this is the only movie that i'm Okay, what happens if a vampire doesn't get invited in and still tries? Mm -hmm. And yeah, both versions of the movie did the scene so powerfully. Oh, I know. I loved it. Oh, I love it. And, and we saw it. Wow. Once again, it's the it's back to the master servant relationship, you know, because it actually goes on its head. Because, and then talk about you no know, power dynamics, which <laughs> this movie's all about. We then have Ellie putting herself into Oscar's hands and actually transferring part of him even for a short period of time but still she does it now this is someone who's not used to transferring part because we see it with her relationship with Hacken she's the she is the leader she's the owner that she is the one that holds the power mm -hmm. but in that instant and this is where I'm wondering you can't do that unless you're sure of the person. I love that scene. And was this where the relationship, um, I suppose it was kind of, that's my final thought, so maybe we'll leave it later, but was she doing something different? Did Oscar provoke something different in her as opposed to, like, we don't know how, how long she's done this, how many, how long she's been in existence, or how many 
uh, servants just had. Yeah, you're so right. We don't know, do we? We don't know if she's just. Yeah. And because um, you could almost think in this movie, correct me um, if I'm wrong, that th she's only been a young she's vampire. Just a predator. Mm -hmm. Um. But it gives the impression that she's only been a vampire as long as she's been with Hacken. Or is she a lonely? Is she lonely? Is she... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a... There's so much there to question, and that's why I like... You're, you're not given all the answers. You, you have to wonder, and this is why we have discussions, because that's a good movie. That's a good story when you can talk about it, and each person has their own thoughts on it. Um, none of us are right or wrong because we don't know. But that's that's where it's fun to play with. Um, and definitely that scene with her doing that, you think, nah, that can't mm. be her. That can't, she can't use that mm. technique with everybody because yeah, it's too much of a risk to take. You know, leaving yourself out that vulnerable to someone uh, if it's only, if it's the. Uh, in the first in the first movie, um, did you notice did you um, notice that you could actually see um, Ellie in the snapshot it's like a snapshot of her as an old woman? No, I missed that. I don't think I saw that either. That's really cool. You what was that? Mm. Yeah, what, what was that? Only, when was that? I only caught that the second time I watched it. Um, you actually get, yeah. So when, yeah. So when um, Ellie is basically lying on, well, she's on, lying on top of Oscar and saying, I want you to see what I'm, you know, I want to see you, you know, I want you to see my life. And then all of a sudden you just see this snippet of her as a haggard, walked looking old lady. And then it changes. And it's actually very well done. Um, we get to see that she was she, uh, actually, initially she's 12, but she's actually very, very old. So I found um, that really Interesting. God, I missed that completely. I'll have to. That's, but every time you watch this movie, you bring like I've seen it um, about half a dozen times. Really? Yeah. It's one of the first. It's one of the right. ones. Honestly, it came out. I caught it by chance, and I was I was hooked. I was intrigued, and I have seen this a few times. Um, but there's a difference between watching a movie and watching it to review it. I think you are starting to pick up on that. When you're watching a movie to talk about it afterwards, you see it with a different lens. Have you? Have, you've done a couple of these now, Dale. Have you found that um, when you're actually watching a movie with the purpose of reviewing it, yeah. you're, you're you have a different focus. Yeah. Have you found that, Andy? Like, oh, totally. Yeah, Andy. This is your first. Um, this is your first movie review. Yeah. So. Yep, definitely. Um, watching a movie, watching. Oh, is that Andy? Yep. 
I'm saying, Andy, um, did you find a different experience watching this for the purpose of reviewing it than well, I, normally for entertainment? I wanted to um, go back just a second and uh, to touch on a little bit of what Adele was saying when um, Ellie was the old woman. The, uh, that's one of the elements I love so much about storytelling and horror and especially vampires, the symbolism, because most of the time, in my opinion, they handle the symbolism so beautifully. And that's that scene that Dell subscribed that, uh, Dell described is such beautiful symbolism. And when, when, um, the, the way she was so affected by when she came in, um, uh, without being, uh, invited, but, um, to come back to what you said, Colin about the uh, the movie reviewing whether I was reviewing a movie or not I would have the same my perception wouldn't change my my enjoyment or my the way that I see it wouldn't change to me it's all inclusive all right cool um I've I've just found myself having to pay more attention than I normally would when I'm planning to talk about a movie afterwards to certain things than just watching for entertainment there's a lot of movies I've watched for entertainment I've forgotten I'd say that too Colin um, definitely. I'm finding myself looking for things and patterns and uh, wanting to make sure dynamics, you know, between characters and what's yeah. not um, presented to you. Watching a movie just for entertainment. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking over you. No, no, I've stopped. No. <clears throat> no, it's just a delay. No, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, where, okay. What I have found with reviewing um, with with watching. Okay. So what I found with watching movies. Oh my! Is that um, I I enjoy watching I enjoy watching horrors, um, but I don't look at all the ins and outs of the things that I would be reviewing. Um, so I I do like to watch. Uh, the the movies we're going to review, I, I watch with the subtitles on, um, which is something I don't do if I'm watching it without reviewing a movie. Um, and also, I like to take little notes of, um, you know, something, things that um, that I find really interesting about the movie. Whereas, if I was just watching it for the sake of watching it. I, I would have missed most of the things that I actually watched in this movie. I mean, it's nearly two hours long. Um, to get me to sit down and watch a movie for two hours is um, pretty impossible. But I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, um, I, I <laughs> like uh, the last few movies we've um, reviewed, I will watch it like twice or maybe three times. <laughs> I won't do that if I'm watching a movie for entertainment. <laughs> That's just fine. It's just me. Yeah, sure. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I only really take notes if, if there's a couple of us discussing it. So we'll have talking points. Um, you know me when I do most of my reviews, it's like almost immediately after I've watched the movie or as soon as. So I'm going talking about it fresh. But you definitely have a different, you know, when you want to talk about something, I I just find it just a different um, way of looking at it. But are you always looking at things like that then, Andy? When you're watching movies, have you always got that sort of critical eye or questioning about what's going on behind it? Has that always been your curiosity? Oh, the, the all-inclusive feeling? 
Yeah, but when you're watching a movie, what I'm talking about is when you're watching a movie to talk about it afterwards. Do you do you look at it a different way? Are you viewing it through, through a different lens, a more critical one, or looking for deeper things? When you find you're going to have to speak about something afterwards, does your does your gears change in your brain when you're watching a movie, or have you always had that way of looking at it? I've always had the way of looking at it. It's always like it's always all inclusive. Mm-hmm. No, that's cool. Good to know. It's um, we all do things differently. It's interesting to uh, understand how people view things, because then that, that changes your perception mm-hmm. as well. Because if you've got a certain certain way, you, you get something different from it. You know, and that's that's why we can three of us can watch the same movie and have different ideas. Oh that's yeah, well written, of course. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Hacken's uh, technique yeah. for harvesting blood? There's um, for someone that's done it so long, there's an almost chaotic aspect to it, as much as it's <laughs> organized. I thought in the remake it was more chaotic, but definitely there's a in the first one, it's very clean and precise, and this guy's you know he's honed his craft. You can kind of see it. What do you, what do you think of that? I really thought With my initial. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Mm, Harkin um, and his kill kit. Yeah. What do you think, Andy? Of that, you know, the way he goes about it and no. how he's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Andy. Oh, I I think in the like you said, Colin. At first, it was good. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he was trying to. I seriously thought he was trying to get the vampire caught because of how sloppy he got, and you could just tell his heart wasn't in it, and he just didn't seem to care as much. And like I said before, it seemed like it was a life he didn't want anymore. So he was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna half-ass this. I don't care." Yeah, um, definitely the scene in the school before he gets caught. Like, that was more risks than he had to take. And... Who? Um, I'll start with you first, Andy, with that. The scene in the gym locker room where he has the guy trussed up like that was... Even though physically nothing happened to the guy yet, that was harrowing. Just the there wasn't music playing. It was silent. He had him hung up, and you could actually hear every breath and gurgle. And it was a kid still, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's what makes this movie so more visceral that they're not using adult actors. This was the kid tied upside down, hanging, and Hacker was about to kill him. What did you think of that scene in particular? Ali, you go first. I think the. As a movie, with the movie and the story, I love the horror of it. But with the uh, the character of Hawken, I think he, I think he was going through the motions of, like maybe at one point he had a, a taste for it, and he actually enjoyed what he was doing. He enjoyed his work, but he was still going through the motions of the, the horror of the moment by doing to the kid what he did. But he was starting to get really sloppy, and he, like I said, his heart wasn't in it, but. 
he, I think he himself was starting to, to slip from his role in life and he just didn't care anymore. So that led to him not really taking the proper care that he should with, with his victim. There was just, there was just no heart in it. There's no life in it. So it, it didn't seem that he cared what was happening to the person. He didn't care what he was doing. He was just doing it to do it. Playing scene for scene um, between that, like the initial one was in the, the school, but the, the remake had him in the back of the car. I felt it got lost a bit in the remake of that, what you were describing, that he had lost his heart because you see that, that he's just, he's doing it now and he's no, he's no enjoyment. Um, it might sound harsh, but it was almost like a rapist who didn't enjoy raping anymore in the original. But in the remake, they really sanitized that a bit, which I thought was a bit of a shame because you just made it uh, just circumstances that he was in the back of the car. He was going to kill the guy, but his friend popped in and that ruined the whole whole plan and he got desperate. But in the first one, you, you actually see him just going... I don't like this anymore. I'm bored. I'm not getting a thrill mm-hmm. from it. And he had the guy up. I mean, he could have dispatched him quite quickly. And he's shining the torch mm-hmm. around. And, you know, he's just giving himself away. The fact that he took a risk doing it while there was two other... He knew he had two friends. And he didn't knock him out again. You know, he... He just lost... You could just see he lost the thrill. Did you get that aspect in that scene, Dale, that he just... He wasn't getting off on it anymore? And he's like, no, nah, not enjoying this. Don't care. What do you oh, think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I could see that from the minute they got out of the taxi. Um, and, yeah, and the way um, him boarding up the window with um, paper, the cardboard or whatever. Um I mean, the scene, you know, when he's left the blood behind, um, that was, you know, is he, was he trying to get caught? Was he just, does he realise how chaotic he's just made the whole thing? Um, I, I like the beginning with him putting his kill kit together. I think that was really, really well done. A mm-hmm. real, real good entrance into the movie. Um, but I definitely got this. Oh, he's just so over it. He's been doing this for a hundred years or whatever, and he's just he's just had enough. I don't know if um they could have pulled that off in a in the remake. Um but um I the, the definitely well I did the first time I saw the movie, I really did think he was the father. Um but then in the second and third time I watched it I do get that slave master, slave sort of um, uh, storyline. So I think they did that. Re- they pulled that off really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, the remake didn't. Uh, that scene, that was one that fell flat because it didn't really have the same impact. You know, it was just an accident, and he was still prepared to do what he did, and it was just he had no choice. But in that, he's sitting in the shower before he decided to pour the acid over himself. And he had a choice. And he could have got away from that. He could have done a hundred things, but he just, meh, I don't care yeah. anymore. Why do you think he poured the acid over himself? Because if he was that, in that state of mind, surely he would have just went meekly. But was there still maybe a bit of love there? Or the duty 
know being dutiful seriously i don't get why he did that because it wasn't it wasn't going to kill him so it was to make him unrecognizable it was so he couldn't be identified remember he got the you know when he, he put it in the the jar in the first place he well he didn't really suppose yeah it, he didn't explain it to the alley he okay. explained it to the audience you know, by saying so. there that yeah yes yeah. you know did you, did you also notice that he act he actually had scar marks for it yeah, that's the thing, and that, actually, that's something I just realised. That didn't he is a character that didn't focus too much on his face. Yeah, he was always in shadow, and when he wasn't um, in the mask, you know, and hiding, you never got a full look at him. Did anybody else pick up on that? He was actually more mysterious than Ellie. Yeah, interesting. I think you got a better look at him in uh, yeah. the remake. Yeah, yeah, but the, when. When he was shown, um, you could see that he had like burn marks. Yeah, he's definitely been through something. There's no doubt there. He's not. Um, it's not been a happy existence. Probably from a kill went wrong, or you know, yeah. he, somebody's fought back. You, you don't know, but then that adds to the mystery because you don't know his full backstory. Um, and it's only that time you see the photo booth photographs of him as a kid with Ellie that you get an idea of how their relationship came together but mm. um, yeah for him yeah. to do that to cover himself he still had a duty of loyalty I think and that's what kind of played out even though he'd given up and I think that's why he offered himself to her at the end just so readily he was just, just ready to be done Um, there's a tragedy, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying about the morally ambiguous characters. Mm -hmm. This is not a good person. Yeah. This is a murderer, somebody who relished the body dog, even though under the guise of tragic thing, mm. but there is a tragedy list too, and that's why you have to uh you can't just make snap judgments on the characters and the way it's played. And like I said, it's it's been so long since I've seen a challenging movie and even revisited this, it just reminds me why. No, no. It's this... so much deeper than that. You could watch, we could do this again in a month's time and talk about the same movie and still get, you know, new ideas would come, I think. And that's what um, I miss that about cinema. That's why I'm a fan of cinema because cinema can do that so well. And it's not about budget. It's not about special effects. It's about characterization and storytelling. You get those two elements right and the world's your oyster. Um, and it's so, uh, like everything's become so bland Absolutely, now. Absolutely, Colin. Yep. So let's talk about, um, because, uh, who do you call him again? Lack and all that. That was kind of a side plot, but the final sort of, the final confrontation that between Ellie and Lack. And in the remake, it was the policeman, but you know, that where he actually goes into the apartment and discovers what this is after, obviously, uh, Hacken's dead. Um, this is where Ellie shows her true nature, you know, as a predator. And Oscar hadn't seen this before, obviously, yeah. he's had hints. Um, how do you think that played out? Did we get the impact that we were hoping for? Um, Andy, do you want to go first with this one? I, I love that 
scene. I love that the um, she wasn't afraid to show her true nature, and she needed to eliminate the problem, and she did. And when he saw her, yeah, he was. It was obvious that he was seeing what she was, but he still saw he still saw in her what they first discovered in each other, which held him to her, and didn't cause him to, like run away and fright or start yelling vampire, vampire, and then she'd have to kill. She would have to have uh, killed him too. And in a way, I think he almost, when he looked at her, all covered in blood, um, at least in the remake, I think part of him wanted the two of them to get to that situation, to get to that point, because then they could finally have their lives together. Yeah, um, both both versions did it. Like, the original did it as well. Um, yes, the initial shock, because in the end, and that's back to the whole, Oscar's still a child, and there's a whole world of difference between seeing something on a screen or an idea that actually physically happened in front of you. You know what I mean? We all know that. Um, we can see a hundred car crashes on TV, but you see one in front of you with the carnage and shoes. It's a completely different experience that you know this. So him seeing that actual horror I and think brutality. That probably. Mm-hmm. That's probably um, at the point where he decided that, um, yeah, she's definitely a vampire. <laughs> um. It's a way he politely closes the door to give her a privacy to do what she does. Uh, mm-hmm. Almost deference to her. Um, as a touching scene, it was done so well. Yeah, I, that's right. I think that's well done. Yes. And then we think the movie's going a whole other direction, and then you know that was going to be it. Um, but then we get, and this is what makes this, I think, an iconic movie in horror. But also, you know, I would talk about iconic horror scenes, like Nightmare on Elm Street when uh, Johnny Depp's character is pulled into the bed. When we see, oh yeah, um, yep. we see Candyman mm-hmm. when he first appears in the mirror. Rips up when we see um, fucking Jason Regan going down the stairs backwards on the Exorcist. Yeah, <laughs> the swimming pool scene in a story, I think, has to be one of the most iconic scenes <laughs> in horror. I don't know what you think about that. Pool scene. Oh, and this is where we see because um, once again, predators prey. That's my favourite scene in the whole movie. Oh, absolutely. It was, and what's to bring it back? The fact that it's done with children. You know, I mean, children are always protected in horror movies. It's always a, oh, we can't show this with uh, youngsters, but this movie does not shy away from it. And that's once again that makes us just stick out. But we've, we had a hint of it when we, when we met Jimmy. How much affection or h- how much can you give? To bullies, you know, it's like no, you can't. Um, but once again, back to the morally ambiguous. We we want to see that they get some sort of justice. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, we want to hate Johnny. Yeah, we do. We want to despise him. He's a lead bully. But then when we meet his older brother Jimmy, and we see that the same things happen to yeah, we want to hate Johnny. Johnny, do you know what I mean? But when we see what's happened to him, and it's all about the cycle, you know, patterns repeating themselves, 
So we'll see that Johnny is as much of a victim as Oscar was. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know Jimmy's story, but we can guess yeah. that this is like a whole cycle has went back. That's because it's Jimmy that's led yeah. this revenge. And it's not even about his love for Johnny. It's about that's one of our family. We have to be shown as strong. It wasn't even about any love for his brother. This was purely a power dynamic. The revenge scene, you know, lighting the, the bin on fire, calling the teacher out. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was an, um, it was weird the way they did it in the remake because I had the gym teacher as a Russian, you know, weird Russian bloke, which I thought was a bit comical, but didn't need to happen. Um, I thought the teacher in the original was better played. You know, genuinely interested in his pupils and wanting to, you know, get the most out of them. And the fact that the weedy kid wants to get strong and the fact that he's, you know, going to the after school club to make himself stronger so he's not picked on. There's respect, but the the remake never played that dynamic out as well, I think. Um, they tried to make it comical, which I thought this movie was all right for a bit of levelly, but it just uh, kind of took away from it. But that whole setup that you've basically got an adult, you know, a young adult who's picking on kids. And I saw that growing up, you know, I grew up in a rough neighborhood and it was weird times. And you actually had, you know, you get in a fight with a kid and then a kid would come back with a full grown adult to beat you up. Thinking weird times. It just reminded me of that, you know, growing up in Belfast, it was mad. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you see this, this is a full-grown adult worrying about flipping kids and he wants to actually kill or really maim Oscar, like proper venom, which um, he's actually worse than Johnny. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, although you want to hate Johnny, you have sympathy for his character because oh, you see that... He tried to drown him. <sighs> no, but it was Jimmy. Yeah. The older brother that did it. Yeah. And you see Johnny as much of a victim in this whole part dynamic. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that, Andy? Did you, yeah. did you pick up on that? I well yeah, but a little bit. But I I feel differently. I don't think whenever someone goes through, it doesn't give you the right to hurt other people just because you went through something awful too. I I don't indulge that. I don't think it's right to indulge that. I don't have much humanity for it. I'm not trying to sound awful, but yeah, no. If you're going to, nothing you go through gives you the right to hurt another human being because it wasn't that human being's fault. So if you're going to hurt somebody else because of what you've gone through. You deserve what you get. Sorry. No. Yeah, but that's um. No. But once again, it's about pushing boundaries and it's challenging. The world is not black and white. Yeah. That's um. Yeah. That's what makes it interesting. How did he get to that point? And then you see the more extreme, more evil. Car- you know, what I mean, you see. Understanding doesn't mean condolence of something. There's a completely different. Uh, that's two completely different things. Understanding how somebody gets there doesn't mean, oh, well, that's perfectly fine then. Um, no offense, mate, but that's a very American way of thinking. Oh, black, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know, it's. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that it's interesting to be challenged. It is. And not just oh, think yeah. of the goodie, the body, and to look behind. Because how can you fix anything? Or how can you understand yourself? 
if you're never challenged. And that's what depends on intuition. You know, if you've just, um, I think the worst people are ones that had a comfortable lifestyle, have never been challenged in their lives, can be so absolute about everything. And then they're the ones that who, when their wor world falls apart, they're the ones climbing up bell towers with flipping sniper rifles. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've seen that a hundred times. <laughs> it's always the ones that, you know, flipping rose tinted glasses, the minute they get shattered, they're the ones that break and fall apart. Mm -hmm. Yep, totally. And... One, that's why I'm saying this is not a movie for the general audience mm. or the casual viewer. This is, uh, you know, I mean, there's some deep stuff, and it's not just even about the suggested pedophilia or the child sex. You know, I mean, not yeah, even the no. sexual connotation. There's so much more in this that's woven in, and that's what I'm talking about: power and the dynamics of people and what leads people down a certain path. And you even see. Johnny in this last scene, which makes it even more intense. He's like, holy shit, this is too much for me. And you saw him at the start reveling. He was okay when it was a certain level. He's been the big lad and he wasn't being challenged in himself. So he's giving the wedgies, yep. he's stealing the lunch money. That's that's all fine. But when it comes down to the reality of actually encountering an evil entity, and I'm not talking about Ellie here, I'm talking about Jimmy actual someone with darkness in them who genuinely either way he wants to hurt oscar and it's a sadistic game he's playing and you even see johnny being faced with that is like that's too much for me that's a place i don't want to go and it's just interesting seeing that mm -hmm. dynamic being played out right before but it's too late if that makes sense it's too late for redemption is that your cat? <laughs> um, yeah. do, you, do you understand where I'm coming? Why I find this yeah. so fascinating, this scene, and why it's such a, a such an iconic family turned up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but do you understand where I'm coming from? Why this is such an iconic horror scene, and why there's so much played up before the actual action takes place? Because if it, I don't think it would have the same impact if we didn't see that play out. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, in this, the two henchmen, <laughs> Connie and Kenny, they're nothings at the end of the day. They just go with the strongest. You know what I mean? They're they're weak hurdlings. They just go I with the strongest character. I actually felt really... I felt so sorry for those kids at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, those two, because they're, they're just yeah. dumb kids who really have no inclination of what's going on. Yeah, but with yeah, the, they are. They just follow the strongest character, if that makes sense. No, but that's not forgivable either because if that's all you do is go with the loudest voice, yeah, follow the car. That's right. You sign yourself up for the fate. No complacency as well isn't uh, is just as bad as actually committing, you know, committing the act. Yeah. But it's interesting. I think Johnny could have went on a redemption. Yeah, arc. I don't think Johnny would have. Johnny would have instigated anything like that. Um, I think it was just. It was over. I think that was the minute and the yeah. And that's why I brought up the pawn, the frozen pawn scene. That was over between those two. The minute that happened. 
and that's with so much that's with so many bullies the minute you uh i had to learn that myself at a young age the minute you just lift your fist you plant the biggest one mm-hmm. it's over so to me um let me know what you think um at the pawn scene the dynamic yeah. between oscar and johnny was over because Johnny stood up for himself and hurt him badly, and he crumbled immediately. Once the reality of pain, you know, hit him, and the fact that he pushed the kid so far that the kid was prepared to hurt him, that yeah. that changed the dynamic. That would have been over, but it was the introduction of Jimmy that spurred it on. Mm. And with Jimmy, you see a really dark character. You know, he's actually, yeah. I would say he was worse than Hacking. Yeah, I totally agree. What do you think of that, Andy? Yep. Mm, I think it was good for I think it was good for the story, but I don't think it had yeah. as big an impact to to everything. But it was it was an interesting thing to see, and it was interesting to see more of the background on on the bully, um, so you get more of an idea of his character. But to to have that be like a main focus or or a goal in the movie. I don't think so too much, but it, it was great for the scene. It was great for the, uh, uh, for the progress of the movie, for the, uh, the succession of the story. Yeah. Cause there was a danger. There's so many elements in this. Any one of them could have overtaken the other and derailed the main story. I think what makes us so good is the fact that the held the broad enough end, but they held it in check that it didn't overshadow the main story. If that makes sense. They managed to rein back just enough to let the main story carry on where any one of these other aspects could have overshadowed and destroyed the plot. But this is where I'm talking about good storytelling and this is where we see an example of it. They're able to weave so much of this in but without overshadowing the main story, which I really enjoy, you know, because we've seen a try, we've seen people like, too many cooks spoil the broth, so they're trying to throw too much stuff in. We see movies made by committee, and they're just conjoined messes. You know, nothing fits together, and it all trips over each other, and you get bloody exhausted. You know, you're like, is this ever over yet? With this movie, mm. and the point you made, Del, about it being two hours long, like, long horror movies usually don't work. The minute they make a horror movie, like, two hours long, you start, you lose something. But the runtime seems to be just right for this movie because it needs the time to let those elements breathe. Yep, I agree. Do you think? What do you think of the run runtime of this? Did you think because it's longer than most horror movies, Andy? Yep. Um, yep. Did it need to be this long? I thought the runtime was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So, because there's so many elements that needed the longer runtime, do you think to let these elements get woven in properly? For this movie, yes, definitely. Mm. Yep, and uh, and this is where, like I said, the swimming pool scene, the actual action, and the way it was done in the effects, like it wasn't CGI anything. That using the pool and the quiet of being underwater, um, so powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen another movie that's had that sort of impact you know it's hard to get like the atmosphere of this um was brilliant i don't think it would have worked if he had got out of the pool the, the, 
just the cleverness of using that. Um, what I really, really enjoyed about what I really enjoyed about the swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> this delay. Um, what I really enjoyed about the swimming pool scene is the way it was artistically delivered. Um, we didn't get to see we didn't get to see the um, the the what Ellie ended up doing with them until we saw it out of the pool and we see them on the side of the pool. Um, I think that was done really well. I think that's why that that scene that scene worked so well was because it was um it was in it was artistically delivered in a in a way that we know what's happened but we actually um didn't get to see it from Ali's point of view. We got to see it from under the water and oh I just thought that that was just amazing how they do it. I love it when um horror movies can pull off that sort of concept of um something's the you know, diabolical has happened, but we didn't actually get to see it. Um, if you can pull that off, I think you've got yourself a really good movie. And it's I've only seen that work in a couple of movies, actually. So I think that they did that really well, in my opinion. Yeah, what do you think, Abby? I would love to have seen everything from Ellie's point of view. I was I was disappointed that we didn't get to see more of it, but I, I did like that they did show a little more of what she was doing in the aftermath of it in the remake than the original, because in the original, mm. you definitely knew what was going on. You saw what was happening, but the remake showed you just a little bit more of it to to satisfy your appetite and your hunger for like the horror carnage. That's what I wanted to see. But I mean, the way they did it was wonderful too, because there was something to be said for leaving it up to the imagination. Because oftentimes uh, in the movie, if they don't show you a lot, that what your imagination can conjure up can be more enjoyable than what you're seeing. So it'll add to what you're seeing. But in, in this case, I wanted to see things from Ellie's point of view, but overall big picture, it didn't take away from any of the enjoyment of the scene for me. I loved yeah, it. I'm, I'm glad in the remake they didn't turn into an action flick because that's always a danger. Huh. If you if you know where I'm coming from, whether it doesn't be horror anymore, it's an action flick and yeah. dancing around. That that would have been um I think I would have ruined it. Mm. Um to me the body parts plopping in the water, you know, in the silence, and then being punctuated with the it just plop, you know, and you know it's over. Um yeah, and then that kind of symbolically solidifies their relationship, I think, as much as I mean, there's still that love story aspect, which I just think is brilliant amongst absolute carnage and brutality. That that's it. The there's a love story there too. The fact that she's prepared to come back for him. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> didn't need to. Um Yeah, there was a sweetness to it. it just <laughs> that makes you, you know, oh I'm a sick puppy. I I'm like going, Aw. <laughs> There's <laughs> body parts everywhere, blood, and it's like, you're so good. Oh, those two sweet kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. <laughs> but what can I say? That's that's why we're sick puppies and love this sort of stuff because it's <laughs> horror rocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, so much. Yeah, that's why, uh, once again, that's why it's not a movie for normies. Sorry, guys, but. Please don't don't start off with this. If you think I've never watched a horror movie? Don't don't start with us. 
<laughs> Give yourself warmed up first. No, no um, so final thought, because um, mm -hmm. it wraps up and then obviously Oscar leaves with Ellie. <laughs> is this a new dynamic? And this is what's maybe hinted at throughout the entire story. Is this a new dynamic between these two? Or is this just history repeating herself itself that Ellie just latches on to a kid as a servant and uses the same technique techniques, maybe slightly different with circumstances? Is he gonna is Oscar doomed to the same fate as Hacken and possibly previous um servants, familiars, you know, because essentially it's the familiar vampire relationship. Or is this something new that a corner get turned? What do you think? Do you want to go first, Dale? Yep. Um, wow, I really, really did enjoy the ending. Uh, yep, I'm, I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take these off. I really enjoyed the ending. Um, it just leaves it up to our imagination, basically, what's going to happen. Um, I, I get the feeling that because Ellie is is a vampire, her human or hu, her humanity, I, I feel her humanity is gone. Um, of course, um, I think she's latched on to Oscar because he is a vulnerable person. Um, I don't think she's got, like I said, any humanity left in her. So whether or not she is falling for him slightly or whether it's just a predator-prey relationship, um, I think Oscar Oscar seems like he's quite strong around her. So I think it might work out. Um, I, in my head, I've got visions of them going forward and perhaps – you know, she might turn him into a vampire and they could be together forever or it's just history repeating itself. So it would have been interesting to see a second part. <laughs> hmm. It's just think? my, yeah. What do you think about that, Andy? Is it, is it just the, the pattern repeating itself and this is how Ali mm. chooses her, her familiars or is this something new? A new relationship, a new dynamic, and this. What do you think, Andy? I think it's definitely something new for them because I think they both, as characters, were uh, and as people, were very lonely. Even though she's um, a vampire and a vampire is a monster, there was still a person in there, and she did have humanity. Because if she, the way she treated him from the very beginning on, if he were just a tool to her, there would have been a, a buffer zone. There would have been some kind of a boundary that she would have kept and wouldn't have gotten so close or wouldn't even care to have gotten close to him. And so obviously they gave each other something that they were both looking for. And I think they found like best friend soulmates in each other is what I think. And that gave them a new lease on life, which they were also looking for. And Oscar just found it in something supernatural that wasn't supposed to exist in the world. So discovering that, that a thing like her does exist in the world gives him a completely new way of living life and looking at life and living in the world and what the world is. Fantastic. Um, yeah, to me, um, jury's out. 
on because there's enough there's mm. enough there to suggest there's something new. I think um and I'm not saying it should have happened, but if there had been flashbacks with Ellie and Hacken and we saw their dynamic, it might have solidified what I thought was going to happen. The fact that it didn't and these yeah. open interpretation, I really enjoy because I don't like everything spelled out for me. Um, but if there had been flashbacks, the only thing the only hint we got was the like I said, the photographs, the photo booth um images. That's the only indication that he bet Hacken, she met a Hacken at the same age with no evidence to suggest one way or another. And that makes me that's what fascinates me because I can imagine. Yeah. Um the like I said, because of the Peep and Tom thing at the start shows that he's a bit of an off character himself. He's not pure. And that lends me to believe that possibly that's what she looks for. But I saw something different. The vulnerability, like stepping in the house, showing the vulnerability, maybe was something she's never done yeah. with somebody before. I also think that Hacken got tired and was ready to give up. Why yeah. didn't take... Oscar on why Oscar didn't go away with the both of them and hack and train him makes me suggest that there's something different there and he recognized it and he understands that his love, her love for him is gone, which made him give up. I saw that in the movie, which makes me lend myself to that this is a completely new dynamic. Yeah. Um yeah. The only yeah. way I would know is if I saw when Hacking came into the play, was there an older familiar <laughs> and did he pass it on? But we never saw that, so we don't know. We also don't know if she's a new vampire in terms of she was actually a child. Mm. That you know, as in that was the age she became a vampire and Matt Hacking. We don't know. So that leaves it up in the imagination. Um truthfully, I, like I suppose truthfully, I don't know. I know it's a cop out. I'd like to think that there's something new. A different dynamic, but I just don't know because it could be just history, and he could be like the fifth or sixth familiar in a long line of this. And it's always been the way that the old one dies, you know. Mm. You know why traditionally vampires have the familiar and then they have their why. You know, That's they normally build up a little nest. There's a nest of vampires, but this isn't. That's this the impression is, I got. Um. I suppose that's and that's the fun of it. Um, it's open to interpretation, and we'll never really truly know. Um, and that's why I enjoy this movie because it's so refreshing. Like I said, um, just to have it that I actually get to think for once, as opposed to everything just laid out for me in nice, neat little bundles. It is refreshing. We uh, any final thoughts, Sandy? I will always love this uh, this movie as a as a vampire movie and story. Um, not among any others, but it's, it's very unique and it's a standalone because of my favorite scene in it, because it answered a very simple question that any other story and movie could have tackled but didn't, but this one did about, again, about what happens if they come in um, without being invited and mm -hmm. what would that lead to? And that's why I love this movie so much because yeah. it, it, it did that and it did it so well and it was amazing and symbolism I love symbolism so much. It captures me almost more than anything else. And symbolism and allegory and illustration are my 
three favorite storytelling and literary devices. And this movie just had it so well and did it so well. So I, I love this movie so much. Always will. Fantastic. Well, Dell, Andy, thank you very much for uh, coming on. This has been a really fun chat. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, we had a few technical difficulties, but we got around them, so we're able to enjoy each other's company and uh, talk about a fascinating story. Um, Dell, where can everybody find you? Start with you. Sam, if you let everybody know where everybody can find you online, who wants to follow you? Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, my group is Horror Central. Perfect. And Andy, where can everybody find you? Who wants to keep up with your own work? Um, I have um, my <laughs> uh, my book, Once Upon a Grave, and... Um, uh, Empath Sensitive Human on Amazon, and I have a presence on Facebook and on uh, Instagram for um, for being a gothic horror author and for my writings and updates on them and for my uh, recent work in Phantasmagoria magazine, which I'm so happy about. And thank you, Colin, so much for having me on the show and about this topic. Always a pleasure. It's great to have uh, guests on and let people see uh, our purpose as well. This show is not just to obviously create combat have fun but let people see the people behind the authors it's so easy to get caught up with oh here's a book not a book i think uh the more people see you and what your thoughts and views are and different topics and the horror genre itself um it just gives people more of an insight and for those who want to uh are more interested in your work um obviously uh check you out afterwards please do two great storytellers here great people to talk with um Thank you. Even even with technical difficulties, we still might have a great chat, which uh, is absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, thanks yeah. to everybody in the chat. Um, your contribution yeah. and seeing the dynamics she's talking with each other is fantastic too. It just <laughs> brings more light to these live streams rather than just a generic bland <laughs> movie review. You know, it's, it gives the thing all a bit of life. Um, as always, keep up to date with the channel. Um, plenty going on. Tomorrow, I am guesting on Evil Live's channel to play Army of Darkness role-playing yeah. game our second part of the campaign so i'll post the links to that later um plenty more interviews coming up as well as our normal content so uh until next time folks keep it creepy keep it horrific thank you